0: All right. Great. Hey, I just want to also mention tomorrow morning we'll be, going to be having our Father Christmas Festival. I don't know what to call it. We have all kinds of names for it. But anyway, Father Christmas will be here. We'll be doing all kinds of great stuff with the kids and food and all kinds of things. One big giant party uh, tomorrow morning and uh, it starts about 10 o'clock in the morning. So just uh, highly recommend you come. We're going to have worship and we're going to have all kinds of crazy things going on. It's going to be fun. That tent has really, really worked out well for us. So I'm doing this uh, the night before uh, here, and uh, so you that are online can, can get a hold of uh, a sermon and, and uh, get a hold of worship as well if you can't make it tomorrow. All right, so I want to call the sermon today, Christmas, an invitation to miracles. And so the, one of the greatest miracles of all that could have ever happened was Jesus entering the, the uh, world only to be uh, eclipsed by dying for our sins. And um, so, all around Jesus coming, it was like, it was like an invasion. And uh, from the time he was a baby all the way through his life to the end, and then after the end, right? After the end, because there really wasn't an end, he resurrected from the dead. But in all of this, there's an environment around Jesus. And whenever a major event in Jesus' hap- life happened, or there was always a supernatural activity. I think there's some principles, there's an environment, there's, there's a understanding here, and especially at his birth, of how to flow in the miracle culture of God, how to experience supernatural breakthrough for our own life, and how to cooperate with the Spirit of God and not resist him, but actually uh, um, move along with him. And so uh, it's amazing to me, when I think about Christmas, how quiet this thing was done in the beginning. You know, uh, God is becoming a man, and... Uh, It's like only known to a handful of people for an awfully long time. So that's another principle. Many times God works in secret, quietly. Matter of fact, could I just say this prophetically to us? God is moving uh, very secretly in some ways amidst all the hubbub and uh, the problems we're having as a country, the problems we're having with our health and all that stuff. I just want to assure you that God is moving. And so this story is sort of like that. There's some miraculous things, some amazing things that are about to happen in the kingdom and are happening even as we speak. It's just that a lot of them are covered up right now and you can't see them. And it's so important to know that God works that way and Christmas demonstrates it probably more than any other thing we could see. So as we look into the Christmas story a little bit, we're going to find a few things that I think can really benefit us uh, in terms of principles and how the kingdom works. So I want to just start by reading from verse 26. Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin uh, uh, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you, which must have been an absolute shock to her. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What, What is this leading to? First of all, she's probably probably freaked out about the angel, but then this greeting, what does that mean? But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, that's quite an announcement for a teenage girl, and probably a young teenage girl. He will be great, he will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, that's quite an introduction. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, uh, the angel since I'm, I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now that's a mouthful right there. My goodness. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Now, this next response is the one that gets me. Because, I mean, what do you say to something like that? You're, you're about to be the mother of God. <laughs> He'll be called the son of God. This Elizabeth, who hasn't been able to conceive at all, will suddenly conceive and in their old age. And he declares, no word from God will fail. This is going to happen, absolutely. And here's what she says. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now I'm just wondering if maybe God had to search all up and down the centuries till he found this person. Or perhaps he prepared her carefully uh, through the lineage of the genealogy somehow. But this person said yes. This person said yes to the Lord's offer. She completed the circuit, in other words. There was an offer being made here, a declaration, and she didn't... Pull away from it, but she did exactly what I think is so important for all of us. See, the thing is, God's still making offers, He's never silent. And if He loved you enough to die for you, why wouldn't He love you enough to bless you? And if He loves you enough to bless you, He loves you often enough to let you know what's going to happen or that He's in the middle of something, especially if you're in a trial or a trouble. And so when he's in there, it's so important that our response, and that's maybe one of the first things as we're talking about an invitation to miracles this Christmas, it's so important that if we're going to receive miracles, that we learn to respond to the supernatural overtures of God and even recognize them. It's so, so important. We do have a part in this whole process. So Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, meaning the Lord saved. So that's what God was all about saving all of humanity, making it possible for, no, for us to become in fellowship with God and to know Him forever and ever. For no word from God will ever fail. I like that. It's a promise for all who believe, for all of us. And the thing is, the Bible is a promise book full of invitations for those who believe. Mary's response to God's offer is an example for us all, as I mentioned. But think about your own life. Because the Bible is not stagnant. There's all kinds of promises here full of promises. All your children will be taught the Lord, and great will be their peace. How about that one? That's a great one for your kids. Every kind of financial promise, and they're all in what's called the Word of God, the Bible, and they're all meant for us to uh, grab hold of by faith in Jesus' name, because the whole book is a book of faith, so we walk in faith uh, with the Lord, right? And so this book of invitations is really important because we're seeing Mary make the greatest response of all to be receive one of the greatest miracles of all. And so we can follow her path and then we can be warned about other people in this whole Christmas story that didn't do so well in the beginning as well. We'll get to him in a minute. His name was Zachariah. When Jesus came into the world, a great company of angels appeared, glorifying God and declaring peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor Favor rests. We see this in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest uh, heaven and, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So these are, this is a manifestation to shepherds in the skies who are out in the nearby field. Those who trust in Jesus and his sacrifice for their sins have peace with God and favor in all things. I like that. On earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so what God was coming to do in the form of Jesus was to raise this child up and eventually he would be this person who would sacrifice as God and man his life for all the rest of us. But it was made for favor in all things. On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. There's nothing more important that we have favor in our life. And we boast in the glory of God. We boast in the glory of God. That's I want to read Romans chapter 5 verses 1 to 2. Therefore since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I like that a lot. We find ourselves in a new grace, through Jesus. God is announcing this. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. So what he was doing was he was beginning to offer faith to everyone. And through this child that was going to happen who would grow up. And we'll be boasting in the hope of the glory of God. The hope that we too will be resurrected from the dead. That we'll have supernatural bodies and all the rest. But even in this life, we'll have great peace with God and favor in all things. Talk about an offer that we can't refuse. It all began with this birth, it all began for these Bible characters. It wasn't just an announcement of favor for those shepherds in the field, for Mary, for the special people. All of us are special because God's business at this time was an invitation to miracles for all humanity, for all who would believe God to do so, receive him. This child baby, this baby child who would grow up, who all would receive him. There's a huge offer being made. So here's an interesting thing, and we'll see this in the story as we move along here. What we can't do is let pain and disappointment get in the way of the miracles God wants to do in our lives. We can't let pain and disappointment get in the way of the miracles God wants to do in our lives. That's extremely important. See, personal pain and disappointment can cause our hearts to harden. It's funny how this Scripture talks about the heart. Your heart can harden, that inner person that's open to God, the things of God, believing God for things, that, that heart that's open to hearing God's voice and hearing Him speak to us and encourage us. And even that voice that's open, uh, uh, the, the voice that comes through the Scriptures, which is the Word of God, how we handle that. But personal pain and disappointment can cause our hearts to harden so they won't recognize the invitations, the promises God is giving us, or even how to obey and how to respond to God in various difficulties or trials or with uh, the grace that he gives us, how to respond. So this guy in this Christmas story named Zachariah, now he precede, his story precedes Mary's a little bit, so I'm going to go a little bit backwards in the story. But uh, actually, uh, and we read about him preceding her story, and so... The story is for this man named Zachariah, who he had a wife named Elizabeth, and, uh, and they weren't able to have a baby. And because of it, he was getting older and older, and he was an old man at the time, and his heart was disappointed. He was discouraged. You know, for a Jew, especially to a priest, this was everything. Who's going to carry on the family line? Who's going to continue on with the calling, the high calling that had been given, and and all of that, plus just having a child, had eluded them. And this was expre- extremely important in every culture, but especially in Hebrew culture. So he, too, has an encounter with an angel. I want to just pick up with Luke chapter 1. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Wow, amazing. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents of their children and disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18. Zechariah asked this angel, how can I be sure of this? So there's an angel telling him, and a period to him telling him it's going to happen, but he's been disappointed so much that he can't receive it. Do angels still, people, still tell people stuff today, or does the Spirit of God still tell people stuff today? Absolutely. And so it's important how we respond to what God says to us, because God's everything, all about response. He makes an offer, and the whole kingdom of God works through faith. Somehow or another, in Mary, he found this person who would respond to him in the simplest way when he said, by the way, Mary, you're going to be the mother of Jesus, the Messiah. And she said, be it done to me according to your word. I think that in itself is just amazing to me. But Zechariah goes, how can I be sure of this? And it probably came out of pain, and also recognizing his circumstances. I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Yet we see these two responses are, are very, very different between he and Mary, at least in the beginning. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words. which will come true at the appointed time. So, Zachariah's heart was hardened when he received his Christmas invitation. Now it's a lot more dramatic than just saying that because actually the truth is that he was inside the temple burning the incense and doing the things that priests did at that time. But the greatest privilege of all for the priest was not only get chosen to do this, he might only get to be chosen to do that once in a lifetime. Maybe never because there were so many priests. Maybe just to a handful of times, but certainly not more than a handful of times. So, And the greatest privilege of all was to come out and bless the congregation. And they were waiting for the blessing at the time of the burning of the incense. And so he couldn't talk. He missed his blessing. He missed the greatest, highest event in any priest's life. He wasn't able to follow through with that because he just didn't believe what was said to him. Now, fortunately, he gained a son through all this as we're going to read. But he lost the promise there because he stopped believing. Could I just say that again for all of us? We can look at his life and we can certainly see how he would feel like that. We don't fault him at all. We've certainly been in that place. But personal pain and disappointment can cause our hearts to harden because, you see, there's an angel, a supernatural angel, talking to him. And somehow he was so discouraged and overwhelmed, he just couldn't respond even though he could see full well there's an offer being made from heaven. This is a supernatural being. But the hardness caught up to him. Now, we don't always see an angel when we get invitations like this. But I believe there's lots of supernatural invitations. I believe there's lots of ways God offers these invitations. Sometimes you're reading the Bible, and you see something that sticks out. Have you ever read the Bible, and all of a sudden it's just, glaring at you, coming out, almost jumping off the page. I had something like that happen to me yesterday about another section of the Bible. It was just an amazing experience. And I've learned that when I that happens, to stay put, to listen, to grab hold of whatever is being offered, what I'm seeing, what is being quickened to me. Now it could come through a voice or come through another person. Have you ever had an event in your life where someone just says something to you and it just hits you so hard? It's, it's something that... You, quickens you spiritually wait a minute that's true that's right that's how some of us get saved that's how some of us move on into other dimensions of god through a teaching or through something that someone says or, or we watch someone do something and we say you know i would just like to be just like that god speaks in a variety of ways but when he gets that inner person on the inside it's so important that we respond now i want you to contrast this form uh, with mary's husband joseph it's very interesting so he too had a few challenges so God begins to speak to him. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 1. So what we're talking about is an invitation to miracles. We're talking about how God works with people and how people succeed and do well when something's offered, grace is offered, which God's offering all the time because he's good, <clears throat> and how some people do well and sometimes we don't do so well. So in this case, we're going to look at uh, 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 Joseph. So He's the other end of Mary, right? And so he's hearing this news as well. So I want to read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's, that's, that's huge. You know, he's in this dream. He has this crazy dream and still it's a lot. He's supposed to believe that this child that's supernaturally conceived, you're going to be birth to a son, you're going to name him Jesus, and this Jesus that grows up is going to save these people from their sins, and it wasn't lost on Joseph that he's probably talking about Messiah, which was the hope of every Jew, something like that anyway, big enough to be able to forgive people of sins, you don't hear that every day, but here's an interesting thing, Joseph's heart was a little softer than Zechariah's. It was stayed soft, and I just want to say it this way, it was, it was soft enough to let God's plan unfold. So instead of getting angry at, at Mary and not listening or even paying attention to the dream, you know, he could have been so disgusted and so much pain. Somebody says, well, a stupid dream. Man, life's horrible. I can't, I can't believe she did that. You know, that's the way we get with disappointment. It so overwhelms our senses, we can't hear another thing. And so this is some of the biggest mistakes we make in our life. And he was discouraged about it, yes, but something stopped him. He, he didn't want to expose her. He, he didn't react. He didn't suddenly take her away and have her exposed to everything and, and, uh, and then get his rights back and, and all of this uh, in disgust. He just paused for a moment. And there's something here the Lord showed me because I think his heart was soft. He, he loved Mary, and he didn't want to discredit her. He knew he was going to have to. He was righteous. But the Lord, he, because he didn't suddenly react negatively, just gave it a little bit of time to work its way out, guess what? A dream comes to him, and he believes the dream, which is incredible. It was amazing to his credit as well that he could, could do that. The angel of the Lord gave him some directions on what to do. And so uh, I just wanted to say that I was thinking about that uh, today, and I was thinking about my own life and stuff. Sometimes when trouble comes, many times uh, there's a wisdom path. I call them wisdom paths. So if you're around me for 10 minutes, you'll hear me talk about this. Often when trouble comes and problems come, there's a wisdom path. So if you don't let the problem overwhelm you and overcome you and your emotions, but just take a step back, often there's a, there's a plan there's a way to actually get out of that problem, right? Because he didn't react right away, but gave it a little room. And could I just say, just give yourself some room long enough to let God's plan unfold for you. Because like I said, all things work together for good. For them to love the Lord are called according to his purpose. So there's always a plan because you're called to God's major purpose. All the little purposes of your life also begin to unfold. And uh, by giving my problems and uh, some space and not reacting too quickly but kind of putting myself in neutral and saying, okay, God, what are you doing here? And looking for what God's doing. I've often uh, avoided a lot of mistakes because life can be very difficult, very tumultuous, very uh, troubling at times. And so this was a trouble for Joseph. Now, here's an interesting thing. Because of this story, I think, he was obedient in this one and he was able to respond to God. I believe he, became, uh, he even got more for his trouble. Matter of fact, you'll hear me say that a lot. Double for your trouble. What Joseph became really is a mighty man of dreams and visions, able to hear God's voice. So this one dream that he had was just the beginning of several dreams that directed his life. And uh, I do believe that follows. When we become obedient in one area and we hear God's voice and we succeed, it leads to other things. So, when we talk about an invitation to in miracles, one thing I've noticed is that as we succeed in an area with God and we navigate something, especially that's painful or difficult, it actually gives us grace for the next thing and the next thing. There's a rhythm we begin to develop in our life. And boy, did Joseph get his rhythm. And so, we see in these stories here. Uh, What happens? When Joseph woke up, he does what the angel of the Lord commands him. He takes Mary home as his wife, but he doesn't consummate their marriage until she gives birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And so after Jesus was born, we can read a little bit further in this this story. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of Herod, Magi from the east come to Jerusalem, and, uh, and so there's an, another story that we see begin to unfold with these visitors, and they give them all kinds of gold and stuff. But they realize that uh, Herod's on to them, and so they find out that they're going to have to leave. So when the angel had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, has another dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay here till I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the co- child to try to kill him. And then we read verse 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, another dream. So that's the third dream. And I think dream number one and the way he responded to it opened the door for dream number two and dream number three. When we respond to uh, God's invitations, he gives us other ones and we develop a rhythm of obedience. And so this is the grace that because he did well with the first thing, God gave him a second and a third thing. He just led him right along. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So... When Jesus came, the entire nation was in pain. So remember, we're talking about not letting pain and disappointment get in the way of miracles that God wants to do in our lives. But what do you do with a nation that is completely in pain and and strangely through it, hardened to hear God's voice? And so Jesus said something about them because he came to a nation that was having this uh, problem. Uh, God was trying to do something. He was actually bringing change but their hearts were too hard to believe it's possible or at least they only are they were only on one chain to believe channel so to speak to believe the way it would happen so God began to speak to them in parables He said this is why I speak to them in parables though seeing they do not see though hearing they do not hear or understand to them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah you will be ever hearing and never understand you'll be ever seen but never perceiving for this person people's heart has become calloused They can hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Wow. So for healing, for restoration, for whatever supernatural thing we need to happen, whether it's financial, physical, whether it's a marriage issue, it's so important that we don't let our hearts get hard. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people Longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. What an amazing thing here. See, this personal pain had calloused their hearts. They had experienced one too many disappointments, I suppose, or whatever, but they had gotten hardened. And then the blessing comes right in their face, and they can't see it. Uh, this is one of the most tragic things. And this is why it's so important that for us to remain, uh, to stay tender with the Lord and not let things get in the way, let our disappointments get the best of us. Always be looking for the good path, the way out. Because that's all predicated on believing that God really cares for you and loves you. That he actually sent Jesus for you to save you. But not just to save you from your sins, but to give you life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So when life isn't good, the thief, he says, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, then you know you're on the wrong side of this. And that actually God has a blessing for you, even when disappointment happens. So we can't let our hearts get uh, callous. As a matter of fact, at the very end, when the Jews, it's so funny, because um, when we talk about this invitation to miracles, our response means everything. So we talked about Mary's response, Zachariah's response, and we see this huge response. It was the very last uh, thing. It was the last thing they did, which basically sealed it, uh, that, that uh, Israel would get judged because he knew at the end of his life that uh, the leaders weren't going to receive him and the people wouldn't receive him. It looked pretty good on that Palm Sunday. They're all crying out, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. They liked the miracles and they're throwing their cloaks behind him. But Jesus wasn't fooled. He knew their heart was not there. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. Listen to that. There was a day, there was a time for them to have peace. There was a time to receive Jesus. This was in time and space. We can say, last stop, Gulch. This is the time they need to respond. I wonder if we come to these kind of divine intersections. That's why I always watch my heart. I just got to be careful. I, I don't let it get draped in disappointment and discouragement because I don't want to miss the intersection that gets me through to the other side. I don't want to miss the divine appointment. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you on every side. They will dash you to the ground. He's talking about A.D. 70 and what happened there, the structure of the Jewish nation. But he says, on this day, if you had seen it, if you, if it but now it's hidden from your eyes. You, you haven't been seen all along. You haven't understood my mission or who I was. And a lot of that, again, I think comes out of this whole environment that had been created in the the destruction of their psyche and the disappointment and discouragement of the people and the hardness of their leaders' hearts. Now, the Christmas story helps us to understand how to flow in the miracle culture of God. I mentioned that. So I'm going to give you a few things I see in this story that we can learn from it that can be very, very helpful to us as well. So if you look at James chapter 4, uh, verses 5 and 6. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Isn't that interesting? God's jealous for us. But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So in this story we see a stable, shepherds, and a young peasant girl who all believed. And if we just read these Stories again, uh, just some of the verses. It helps us to understand uh, these humble people, these humble people that God decided to use. See, they could give the right response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. We see in verses uh, 43 to 55, she cries out. I want to just read these verses. but why am I so, uh, this is Elizabeth talking, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. So that tells you what Mary was doing. But but uh, this relative, Elizabeth, is believing in the same way. She's right along with her. And it's amazing to me as I read this story, I, I think of it often. I think about these these two, I mean, they are contemplating the salvation of the earth. And these two moms, or moms-to-be, are discussing the whole thing. Nobody else in the whole face of the earth understands what to be, what's happening, but these two mothers, they're talking about it casually. <laughs> Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She's already working this whole thing out. I mean, talk about faith. It's just remarkable. She's already working the whole thing out. She understands. How does she understand this? How does this teenage girl understand this mighty thing that affects all of us all the way down to the 21st century? For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed deeds, mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, and there's the deal. She was humble. That's what I said here. God gives grace to the humble. How you flow in the miracle culture of God is you just stay humble, and you make sure that you don't let your, pride, your thoughts get proud or arrogant or discouraged. or overwhelmed. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry. That's another good word. Hungry. We'll get to that in a minute. With good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So, we just mentioned that. Hungry of heart. Hungry of heart. So he's filled the hungry with good things. So when we stay hungry for God, we just continue after God. We don't let the world uh, take away our hunger for the things of God. It's such a critical thing. I'm not even sure exactly how hunger happens. Although I can tell when I'm not getting hungry for God and I'm getting sort of overwhelmed by the world or my problems. But this appetite for God is God-given, God-inspired. And just got to make sure we don't put the wrong things in there to quell our appetite. Too many things from the world, too many things. And, and even I have to be careful sometimes with my own life. I have to be careful sometimes how much I watch the news because, of course, the news can be accurate or not inaccurate. But one thing where we know is going to be spectacular and it may be a little bit more exaggerated than what it probably should be sometimes because they're trying to make a bug. They're trying to get our attention. They're trying to get our interest. Sometimes I find myself going down that rabbit hole a little bit too long and I start seeing my emotions and things and I'm not coming out of a place of peace anymore. I'm angry and upset and so on and so forth and I'm not really receiving the news with faith. I've kind of caught up in the person's emotions. I don't know. Maybe nobody else has done that. But there's lots of things like that. And so... We see a couple of Bible characters here that are really quite remarkable. One of them is the Magi, which I still don't understand who exactly they were. And uh, it's not real clear, I don't think, even historically, but some people have some theories about it. But these guys come all the way, probably from the Iran area, somewhere in that area, and uh, they're from the east. Where is the one who's been born of the Jews? They actually see his star. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship, and it's very interesting. They were hungry for something, for God, I suppose, because they're in his story. And Herod's disturbed about all this and all Jerusalem. But these guys are traveling all the way, probably, who knows, hundreds and hundreds of miles to find this child. And here Herod ironically hears this and he wants to destroy the child. He's trying to figure out, now where is this going to be? And they're asking you know, he's asking, "Where is this?" For this is what the prophets written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, by are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So he figures out it's Bethlehem. So the magi, uh, he calls them secretly and says, "You know what? Why don't you go and search for that kid, you know, and see if you can find him." And and then they go, of course, and they come to the house. And here's an interesting thing: they see this star that appears over the house. And on coming to that, I mean, and even that, I mean. If you don't have faith inside, it could, well, that's kind of a coincidence, no big deal. But I will come into this house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. This is Jesus while he's a baby. And they bow down and they worship him. He's a baby. They open their treasuries, treasures and presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. What an amazing thing. These foreigners had come to worship Jesus, they saw him even when nobody else could see him. And part of it, I think, is their hunger. They were hungry. They were hungry for God. They knew something was up. They would somehow gotten to that place where they were hungry and they ended up that God, out of their hunger, maybe it was misplaced for many years, but God put it in the right place. We see the story, a story of Simeon and Anna, which are really wonderful stories, powerful stories. And I want to read from Luke chapter 2. Verses uh, 25 to 32 first, and then 36 to 38. And this is a remarkable story. These people were hungry for God. I tell you what, if you want to experience supernatural things, there's nothing that replaces supernatural hunger. I don't know why it is, but I've known in my whole life, uh, especially when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was uh, 16 years old, From that moment forward, I've had a voracious appetite for supernatural things for God, for the Bible, for everything about God. The Spirit causes that hunger, and that hunger will take you some crazy places. It's surely taken me to crazy places, but it's always taking me to God's voice, to God's supernatural presence, and to the goodness of God. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. So the Holy Spirit's revealing something to him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that's a big deal. I don't think there's a lot of people looking for the Lord's Messiah at that time. But he was. I tell you, that's so great, because I believe that's what it's going to be like, probably at the end of time. Whenever that is, whenever Jesus comes back, there's going to be a handful of people uh, maybe more than a handful, but certainly not the majority of the world, that are looking, waiting, watching eagerly for him. And they'll notice. And already we who have been walking with God for a while and have read the scriptures and understand that Jesus is certainly, his coming is a lot closer than it was. And there's signs and things and all kinds of things that continue to move along uh, toward this place where we know Jesus will come back. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, here's an amazing thing. The whole world's missing Jesus, but here's this this Mary person <laughs> and this Joseph person, and there's these magi, and now there's a Simeon, who's an old man now, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I do not need to see anything else. I've seen it. For my eyes have seen in this baby your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of of all nations. A light for the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Still, even got that Gentile Jew thing right. Revelation was going to come to the Gentiles and Israel would be glorified. And this guy knows it. Somehow he knows it. And I think it's because he spent his time hungering and praying and looking for God. That's a powerful, actually, admonition to seek God, to pray, to seek his face. To continue seeking his face because the hungry receive things. And then we see this other person. There's also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. But here's another person here. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day fasting and praying. She had a hunger for God. She fasted because she had a hunger for God. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. What a remarkable thing. She saw Simeon saw. And I think it was their hunger that did the trick for them. It helped them with the revelation, as it always does. Hungry of heart, the hungry of heart, being hungry of heart helps our hearing. Now, here's another thing about God to understand his miracle culture God likes everybody, God hangs out with everyone. Matter of fact, since I've come to the Lord and since I began to walk in the ministry, I've just been surprised. From my youth, how many people, different kinds of people, I've met. How many different kinds of people I learned to love and like. Who I never probably, if I'd have continued down a, a path that I was going before I came to the Lord, I would have never really known them. I would have probably kept a very small group of people, and uh, you know, as friends and uh, friends, people that were like me. But as a believer, one of the most beautiful things is that people that are unlike you are some of the most, the biggest blessings in your life, you learn more from them. And also, even especially if you have a little bit of wealth, like I would say I have, uh, as just a Christian in the United States of America, not as a wealthy person. but So, you know, it's just to say you're a middle-class person. We don't often hang out, especially in our culture, with the poor or the weak. Can I just say that God hangs out with anyone, and actually the poor and the weak are some of His greatest people. So if you want to see the miracle culture of God, hang out with the weak and the poor. We routinely see this in our warehouse all the time. Almost all the major miracles that happen around here happen as we're feeding the poor right now. It's really remarkable. I sometimes think I should just move the whole church to the warehouse, our mercy warehouse, and just stay there, you know, pray for people or whatever. It's just so amazing. But it's this principle. God hangs out with anybody, shepherds, magi, tax collectors and sinners, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. (laughs) Matter of fact, we see in this story where he has this uh, parable about inviting uh, uh, people to the great banquet. And uh, this great banquet, and he just tells them, you know, go out on the streets, get the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. That's the ones I want, not the rich, not those that can afford it. This has incredible consequences for us as believers, though. I want God more than anything, but I know that He hangs out in these weak places. So that's why I've spent a lot of time. And I think part of my missions se- uh, of my missions obsession has been that I seeking God move so mightily in these populations in place with the poor and the crippled and the blind and, and these people don't know the right hand from their left, Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists. but that's where the action is. That's where we need to stay because that's where God hangs out helps us to understand the miracle culture of God. We we see that in the life of Jesus. And here these magi are here, and shepherds are here, and then on down in Jesus' life, tax collectors and sinners. But these are very unlikely people to be in the Christmas story. I mean, what an odd assortment. And that's the way it is with us. We, we get to live with an odd assortment of people, people very different from us, because that's how we learn to walk with God. And that's how we learn to move and Miracle culture because we see the most in people that are very much unlike us. We can get personally acquainted with the Holy Spirit. He brings unusual phenomena with his presence. And here's something about the Holy Spirit that we see in the story. The Holy Spirit likes to surprise. (laughs) Now, we don't particularly like surprises. But I'll tell you what. I've been surprised by the Holy Spirit so much in my life. It's just a part of what he does. He brings unusual phenomena, unusual experiences. I've come to learn to expect that if I'm going to walk with God, that we see even in this story, it's going to be unusual. Don't be surprised by what God does. As a matter of fact, we see in Luke chapter 1, for example, verses 34 and 35. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come on you, the angel answered, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. See, the Holy Spirit does this. Notice he says the Holy Spirit will come on you. So this is this other person that we're seeing in the mix. We've seen the Father and the Son, but the Holy Spirit. And so when we get personally acquainted with the Holy Spirit and his ways, he brings unusual phenomena. And this is all in the miracle flow, and it's in the story here, but it's also in the story of our lives as well. Jesus said it this way when he was teaching uh, uh, about uh, the Spirit in John uh, chapter 3. He was talking to Nicodemus, I believe. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So this is the one that we interface with. The Holy Spirit was given us to understand God. So it's so important, if you want to flow in the miracles of God, to get acquainted with Him. You should not be surprised by by, my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it sounds. Wherever it pleases you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Which means that if you really want to walk with God and miracles, you're going to have to be a little bit of flexible. Because the Holy Spirit, He likes surprises. Oh man, if you don't like surprises, you're going to have a hard time walking with the Holy Spirit. You're going to also have a hard time with miracles. Because some of the most amazing miracles I've ever experienced happen just as a matter of my reaction to a surprising, maybe inappropriate time. didn't seem like it was time for that. Or I was too intimidated, or I was freaked out, or I wasn't watching or listening. But when I've taken the time to cultivate the presence of the Spirit, no matter what circumstances I am, where I'm I'm in the most pagan place, the most uh, uh, spiritual place, wherever I am, I'm always listening for the voice. But sometimes the Lord uh, surprises me. And so I think one of the best things we can do is just uh, be ready for surprises because He likes surprises. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person, but He's also, we have to understand, him. He's a person that likes surprises. And I like this in Acts chapter 1. We see Jesus is about to ascend to heaven and He tells His disciples one more time. He says, you know what? You need to wait because you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was like on day 40 after His resurrection. But 10 days later, uh, the Spirit comes. And it's interesting they knew he was coming. They didn't know exactly when. I don't know if they had figured it out on the biblical calendar that it was going to be on the day of Pentecost. But, but listen, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a, now that's the interesting part. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again, we need to get personally acquainted with the Holy Spirit and be in step with his unusual phenomena and his surprise-like behavior, which we see certainly in this Christmas story, but we also see Jesus telling us about and warning us about, you know. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came. Changed the whole world right there. Changed those disciples' lives in a moment's time. We live by revelation also, not on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. And we see in the Christmas story these Christmas uh, characters all following revelation by faith. Mary and Joseph, we talked about them. What an amazing radical thing. We've already talked about how unusual that must have been. But they were willing to follow the revelation, do what God said, and just accept it. Something inside of them was able to respond to this unusual, unusual news and promise. Sometimes I I tell people, you know, I, I get a word for them and, you know, and I can tell sometimes they just bounce right off of people. And I know in my spirit, this is what God wants for them. I can tell, you know, and I don't know how I know, but I, I can tell. Sometimes I'm in counseling with people and I, and I know what God wants, but they, 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 can't, they can't hear it. They, they can't see it. They, they don't have the revelation because it's not fitting in their narrative for whatever reason. Maybe it's pain or sorrow or whatever, but this is how the Christian life's walked in the story of this Christmas character. We see Mary walking according to Revelation. Okay, Lord, whatever you say. Joseph walking to Revelation. Okay, oh, okay. And then and then he gets a word from God about, uh, hey, you got to go to Egypt now, and then he gets a word from God, you got to go back home, but don't go through Jerusalem, and so on and so forth. This is so clear. The Magi are getting a revelation from some star, and they're coming that, you know to see Jesus. And Anna and Simeon, the whole thing, the Christmas story helps us understand the miracle culture. And one of it is we don't live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. We learn to listen. We listen in the Scriptures. One of my greatest sources of revelation is reading the Scriptures and just uh, seeing things just pop off the page and understand that I should be like this, or I should be doing that now, or I'm just like that person in the Bible. Oh, my goodness. Read the Bible over and over again. You don't have to search the stars. You don't have to go a long distance to get revelation. Just fill the, yourself with this word and God will highlight it and tell you what to do. And then, of course, there's other ways of revelation as well as we see in this story. And here's the last thing I want to talk about here. Christmas, and invitation to miracles. In God, there is always great joy and expectancy, even when times are very difficult. So we could just call God the happy God. Heaven's not discouraged. Heaven's not overwhelmed. Heaven's not a reflection of this earth. We need to be a reflection of heaven because in heaven there's great joy. God's not worried about a thing. He's got it all planned out. He knows exactly what's going on. Right? He isn't wringing His hands about anything. You know, He knows what He has in mind for us and what He has stored up for us. And so we just see this... Uh, joy and ex- expectancy in all these verses, and I just want to highlight a few of them before I stop, because it's interesting to me that as we see the Christmas story unfold, we also see the joy, and that's a that's sort of a thing that you know, you know, uh, when you're around a joyful person, uh, almost always you're around a spiritual person, because spirit of God, the spirit of God brings joy. When you're about God's business, there's joy. I tell you, one of my, some of the greatest things I've ever learned is watching people in abject poverty, in certain areas of the world, serving the Lord, and watching the joy that's on the inside of it that can only be heaven brought. Only God can bring that kind of life inside of us, and it's available for all of us. Luke chapter one, verse thirteen. But the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife." will bear you a son, you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Well, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born, but he'll be a joy and delight. This is going to be a delightful experience, Zechariah. It's going to be a great experience. Look at uh, verses 43 to 47. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is Elizabeth talking to Mary. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. The womb leaps for joy. You see in this story, great joy in this. When the Spirit's working, often i found that He not only works, but He works with joy. There's, a, there's an encouragement. There's a fun to it. Walking with God's fun. I've never had so much fun in my whole life. When I, when I left into the ministry and I began to walk with God, Oh, I've had some hard times, but no, most of them's got, I've just had a, a lot of joy, a lot of fun, a lot of grace has been on me because of the Spirit. Because when you get close to the Spirit, doesn't matter what you're going through, there's always a happiness that nobody can contain. Uh, I want to look at uh, ch- chapter 2, verse uh, 13, in our narrative here a little bit. And, uh, just read a couple more verses here. The angel, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appear with the angel praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest heaven, on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests." They're having a big party up there. They're not being somber, and there's not solemn warnings or anything. They're just partying up there, rejoicing. What's about to happen? And uh, and uh, they're singing. And 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 look at verse uh, 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 20. The shepherds returned after seeing this spectacle in the sky. What are they doing? Glorifying, praising God for all things. They had seen, heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And the Magi are happy and Simeon and Anima are happy. I just want to say that this is a happy kingdom. Christmas is an invitation of miracles and when joy is there, you can be pretty well assured that God's pretty close. All right. So I'd like to pray. I'm just going to close in prayer and I'm just going to ask God, for all of you that are listening to what I said, I'm just going to ask God to highlight some of this to you and just... Bring uh, some of this back to your heart, because I believe that um, there are announcements that uh, were made way back then, but they're just examples for the culture God wants to produce now. We were made to walk supernaturally, and it includes all of these things that I've mentioned. We don't let the disappointment and discouragement of life get in the way of of our miracles. We understand how to flow in this culture of humility, joy, hunger of heart, And and this encompassing thing of God who encompasses everyone in some of the weakest spaces, uh, weakest parts of humanity, you can find God, even if people are rascals or hardened of heart. We see some of the greatest converts, like the Apostle Paul, who are the uh, come come to God. So you can see God in these spaces. We live by revelation, and he's, he gives it, not on bread alone, but on every word. Why do we live on every word that comes to the mouth of God? Because he's willing to give it to us. And we have a word, and then we have words that are highlighted inside of us through prophetic utterance and also through the scriptures. And there's always great joy and expectancy in this whole thing, even when times are very difficult. So, Lord, I want to ask you for miracles in people's life. I want to ask you in Jesus' name, if there's any personal pain and disappointment, anybody that's listening to this, I pray, God, you would just lance that like a boil. You would drain all that infection. Instead, there would be a Holy Spirit infection in them right now, in Jesus' name. May the Lord just infect you with His joy. May the Lord infect you with His encouragement. I know the virus is out there and there's all kinds of things that make us sad, but you know what? God, this Christmas, has given us an invitation to miracles, to living to the beat, literally, of a different drummer, to claim the favor of God on humanity. That's where we need to be living. God's not upset. God's not uh, intimidated by any of this. God's got all under control. He's waiting for His church to call down that favor on the world, to live where He's living, to understand this miracle culture, to understand the humility of it, the hungriness of it, how God wants to deal with all sorts of areas, you know, and even the worst enemies you could think of and the people that you don't like the most, oh, man. God's already there ahead of you. Matter of fact, he might just use you to pray for them and help them. And you never know what God's going to do. He's amazing like this. So, Lord, I just pray for miracles from this sermon. I pray, God, you put people in a different place, a different plane. I pray, God, you administer to their heart. I pray you'd encourage them. I pray some of them would have dreams this very night about situations where they need to know what to do. I pray, God, you would heal their body. I pray there would be a supernatural anointing. I pray you would show up in the room wherever they are right now. I pray your blessing down on them and on the church and on the church in our region, our area, in Jesus' name. Drive off COVID and drive off everything that would cause our area to be experiencing pain or sorrow. Keep the fires away. Lord, bless us when we go in and when we go out in every way, everybody within the sound of my voice. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. Thank you.